Glory to you, Lord Christ. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from its tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, and the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down and looked in and saw that the linen wrapping lay there, but he did not go in. Then Peter, Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw that the linen, linen wrapping lay there, and the clothes that had seen been on Jesus' head, not laying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciples, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent down over to look into the tomb, and she, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to the woman, Why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to Mary, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had what they had said to him. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the blessing and gift of this day where we can gather in joy to celebrate your resurrection, your victory over death, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us, that you would give us a common heart and a common mind, a common love for you, Lord God, and that you would unite us as your body. And we pray that you would speak deep into our hearts, Lord, that you would penetrate the deep and dark places within us with your light, Lord. 
Set us free from the bondage of sin and death, Lord, and fill us with your hope, your joy, and your love. Lord, place your words in our mouth, Lord, and help us to be faithful in proclaiming them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! Morning. It is super great to see you all today. Well, Miss Butterworth is going to help me preach today because syrup is an important thing, right? What do we use syrup for? Pancakes, my favorite thing to use syrup for, right? And us as adults, often we pour the syrup like this, right? Nice and gently, just waiting, you know, gets to the rim, and then we do it just um, a little amount, just enough so that it, it flavors the pancakes, but not too much, right? Now, kids, how do kids like to pour the pancake syrup? Right, forget turning it sideways, right? It's often like this, at least I think. Is this true? Yeah, that's right. I'm getting some nods out there, right? And it used to terrify me, right? When we first gave our kids, like, control, like, let go of the container and let them pour their own syrup, we would be, like, a little, like, close striking distance so that if it got extreme, we could reach in there before it poured off the table, you know? Like, over the plate, over the edge, across the placemat, down over the edge of the table. I used to hold my breath. Right, I can feel the anxiety right now thinking about it, watching the syrup get tilted and watching it go and being like wanting them to do it right, but, you know, being anxious, right? Oh, it's horrible. You got to worry about that tsunami wave of syrup washing over, taking the pancakes, carrying them out the door. I mean, it's a terrifying thing. We as adults like to exercise restraint, right? Waste not, want not, we like to say. We're very stoic and puritanical about syrup. For some reason, I'm not exactly sure why. But I think the kids are on to something. And I hope that we'll all see that together. Not necessarily with syrup, but with this concept of not holding back, not being restrained. So now let's turn from pancakes to our next logical theme, the drama of Easter. You're supposed to laugh right there. There we go. Thank you. That was much better. I need to get one of those like laugh things, like lights behind me. There we go. All right, in Easter, in this drama of Easter, we have a life and death fight between a young prince and the forces of darkness. It is more exciting than any adventure novel you could read, any movie you could ever see, because this one, the stakes could not be higher on. It's not merely like brinksmanship and nuclear war between the U.S. and the USSR. Rather, it is the whole world hangs in the balance for all eternity. Now this story, this adventure begins long before where we'll start, but on a dark night in a humble place, out of love for our world and a desire to set it free from the curse of sin and death, God himself was born in our flesh. Now we sometimes gloss over this miracle, but God at Christmas put himself in our flesh and was born as a baby. I mean, this is ridiculously awesome, this concept, that God would actually enter our world in this way. He was born to the Virgin Mary as a normal baby. Not like the Superman kind, you know, that shows up in a pod from out out of space and then, like, lifts up cars and stops trains and is bulletproof. Not that kind of baby. But, like, a baby baby. Right? The kind that gets hurt. God bless you. The kind that like skins their knees, that spits up, 
that kind of baby, like a normal baby. And yet inside that normal baby, inside that pudgy flesh, was the full power and life of God, wrapped in the frailties and infants, and frailties of an infant. This baby, of course, was named Jesus, and his name means God saves, because that's exactly what this baby was doing. He was going to save us. As Jesus grew and developed in wisdom and grace, it ultimately came time for him to begin his public ministry. During this ministry, he healed, he delivered from possession, he taught, he loved, he challenged, he ate with, ate with all kinds of people, both good and bad. He debated, he preached, and he raised up his followers to do as he had done. This mission was larger than anyone could have grasped. Most thought he would do some simple military campaign, take control of the political elements in the ancient Near East, and kind of dominate that region, or just pursue greatness as a rabbi or teacher. But Jesus had so much more in mind than the limited plans of the people around him. He wasn't merely going to set people free temporarily or be the greatest teacher ever. He was going to save all who believed in him and save them for all time. Like, God bless you. Like the best of missions, Jesus chose to carry out the fulfillment of his plan in an unexpected way. Right? You always try and plan that, that they're not looking for you in that direction. Right? You, you sneak in from somehow, you come in from the air, you come in from under the ground, whatever you're going to do. Right? Jesus came in in an unexpected way. He lived a perfectly blameless life before God. Then he took our sins upon himself on the cross and died with those sins on him. Very few people were expecting the mission to be carried out in this way. Very few people expected sacrifice to be the ultimate goal of the Messiah. Sure, it's there in the Old Testament, but people were thinking more of the glory side, not the sacrificial side. But there it is, Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, this day, Easter day, Jesus was resurrected, the first of the new creation. He was alive, but the sin, our sin, was still dead, dead forever. That sin would never come back, and Jesus would never, ever die again. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he conquered death forever. And so life never needs to end. It goes on forever. Not, like, not life like we experience it now with broken bones and broken promises and pain. But life in Christ, which is infinitely better than the best life we could ever imagine for ourselves. Now the remarkable thing is, is that he promises that we can have access to this life right now. If we turn our hearts to him and believe in him. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, who was sent to us out of, God bless you, out of love for our salvation. Believe that we need him to forgive us, and that we want to follow him. When we do this, Jesus is like a kid with syrup. He pours his grace, his mercy, and his love all over us. Not restrained, not just a little bit, oh, here's a drop for you, hope you enjoy it. No, he covers us completely in his grace, his mercy, and his love. Just like we're a stack of pancakes getting syrup poured on them. 
His grace covers us. It coats us. It fills us. It drenches us. It drowns us. Now let's talk for a second about grace, because it's a word we throw out there a lot, and sometimes it's a concept that's a little confusing. Grace, as we define it in the church, is the unearned blessings we receive from God. They could be anything, right? The next day of our life is grace, right? The fact that we're going to get rain today, but we pray. We got a little bit already. The fact that it, we're praying that it's going to hold off a little bit, that will be God's grace if the Easter egg hunt happens before the rain takes place, right? Those are all just little instances of his grace. But we see his grace most clearly and frequently in the forgiveness of our sins. That God would forgive our sins through Jesus Christ rather than hold us accountable and judge us. This is his grace and mercy. And it's important to remember that God's grace, his forgiveness, is not something we earn. We are like the stack of pancakes, flattened by our own failure. And he pours his endless grace upon us. Now, for me, it's easy to resonate with a pancake, and it might be for you as well. Flattened, lifeless, overwhelmed, unable to make the changes in my life that would lead to better decision-making and better results, the results I'd like to see. But you might resonate with that. You might be stuck in something you wanted, you've been wanting to get out of for a long time. You might be stuck in a part of your life that you're wondering when it's going to end. You might see behaviors repeating in your life that feel repressive, oppressive, that hold you down. Situations and circumstances in your life might leave you feeling out of control and overwhelmed. Today, Jesus Christ asks us to turn this weight, these burdens, over to him. The pancake can't fix itself. The pancake needs help from somewhere else. So do we need help from Jesus Christ. We can't solve our problems. We can't fix our troubles. We need Jesus Christ to pour his grace out upon our lives so that we can be healed and set free. So today, this Easter day, in the midst of all the madness, the fun, the food, the family, let us remember what makes this day so significant. It is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and completed his great mission of love to set us free. Let us rejoice and trust in him. And may he pour his grace and mercy all over our lives so that it overflows from us into this world. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you provide your grace your mercy and your love to us, Lord, your people. Thank you that you give us such a radical thing as grace, Lord, something that we cannot and do not earn, Lord. You give it to us freely. Help us to receive your grace, Lord, to confess that you are Lord, to believe that you rose on the third day, Lord God, and to trust our lives to you. We pray that you would pour your grace all over us, Lord. As we pray now, Lord, help us to turn over the broken sins in our lives, Lord God, the pain, the suffering, the things we've been holding on to, Lord, our pride. We turn that all over to you now and pray that you would take it from us, that you would free us of this burden, and that you would pour your grace your mercy and your love upon us, Lord.
so that we can live as your redeemed people in this world. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.